The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, available on all platforms and YouTube, he's the Apex Podcaster. He's the wise owl of professional wrestling. He smells better than dude love with Sex Panther on. He's the king of fantasy booking. He is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. He is Omega Luke, and you're listening to the Omega Luke Wrestling Podcast. Hey guys, how are you all doing? Thank you very much for joining me today for, as you can see, if you're watching on the YouTube, Nev versus JPQ. It is the reverse invasion angle. For all of you who are just watching simply, watching? For all of you who are just listening simply through your ears on your podcast app, thank you very much. For, for giving me a chance to entertain you for this next hour or so. Um, however, I am on YouTube. If you wish to see my beautiful face engage in very strange reactions um, from these two fantasy bookings that I'm going to receive today and share with you today, just like what I did for the royally rumbled versus Mason Adams episode, which seemed to have gone down a tree. A lot of people really enjoyed seeing my live reactions, especially the people who actually had the bookings themselves. Um, I suppose it was quite a nice thing to see how I initially reacted rather than just hearing my thoughts after in a sort of summary. Um, so I'm going to do the same again today. This is sort of a prototype of me doing this. I'm trying to do it all in one go because last time it just took far too long for me to edit it all together. So hopefully I can nail this in one go. I won't have any problems whatsoever and we can all be hunky-dory. But as you can see, my new setup here, it's not really a new setup. I've just done it uh, a little bit just to show off, really. A bit of Warren, Mr. Warren Hayes style. I keep going the wrong way. I need to learn what way I'm going on the camera. Um, a bit of Warren Hayes style here with, with the, the little signage up here. And, and my favourite, Shawn Michaels cushion, which was given to me by MAFF Math. Um, so if you are watching on YouTube, that is where I got that from. And if you're just listening... Um, it's just a really nice cushion of of um, of Shawn Michaels and the the board which I referred to of Warren Hayes just simply says in my new sort of lettering board um, notification board I suppose you could call it Omega Luke the King of Fantasy Booking presents Nev versus JPQ Reverse Invasion 
angle. Because that is what I'm bringing to you today. That is what the guys are fantasy booking. The stipulation is as follows. Eric Bischoff and WCW won the Monday Night Wars instead of Vince McMahon and the WWF. So we obviously have already sort of fantasy booked the Invasion Angle. Myself and Roberts did that a very long time ago now. Eight months now. Six months, eight months, round about that. Um, we did that, so you can check that out, how we would have done the the initial Invasion Angle, which was very good. We both had some incredible ideas. We had a great feedback from that, um, from people really enjoying what we actually did. So I decided to do a little bit of something different. And originally this was going to be the, the final of the Fantasy Booking League um, until both finalists sort of said, well... How about making it a little bit less about the stipulation and more about the fantasy booking? And I completely agree with that. And I'm very grateful that I listened to them because they gave me two very incredible fantasy bookings of Andrade Cienamas. And as you know, we have our champion royally rumbled. The the guys were incredible. Um, a massive fight made by Mason Adams. Huge shout out to Mason Adams going off his own back. He wanted to do this by himself. Um, I haven't actually mentioned this yet. I mentioned it on a podcast, but when I originally, originally uh, Mason has done his episode by either Skype call, um, where I've just recorded what he said, or he's come over to my house because obviously Mason Adams or Adam Mason, as I know him, um, kayfabe being broken there. Right here on Omega Luke, Adam Mason is the shoot name of Mason Adams. Um, as you can all probably agree, Mason Adams is a very cool name, but Adam Mason, still a very cool guy. Um, Adam Mason, the person behind the fantasy booking finalist, usually just comes around my house and, and records it face-to-face -face or through Skype. This time, however, when I said to him about the fantasy booking final, I went into a range date, he said, no, Omega Luke, I want to do this. By myself, I want to uh, go on my laptop, I want to record this by myself, I want to add in sound effects because that's what Royally Rumbled are doing and if I don't match what they do, how will I ever stand a chance? And I said to him, you know, it's not about that, it's not about how you do it, it's about the book in itself, but uh, to Mason Adams, who's very proud of what he does and takes pride in what he does, um, wanted to put on the best that he possibly could without any help. And I really appreciated that. Um, so I'm really proud of him too for doing that. So big shout out to uh, to Mason Adams for, for doing that. And he's very unlucky not to defeat uh, Royley Rumbled on another day um, if there wasn't for the fact that Royley Rumbled really did bring their A-game on the Andrade Cien Almas booking. Then we could be looking at a different champion. But I'm sure Mason Adams will be back in the not so distant future but for now we have a very we have a lot of contenders coming through so we have mike aaron already defeating uh wilfred who will face the winner of today's match and um obviously this is a live reactions episode now so i don't know what the two guys uh bookings are actually like yet so nev has also gone on and recorded it by himself so Fair play to Nev, who also done that as well. So this is going to be something very new. And like I said, Mike Aaron will face the winner 
of this episode and the winner of that episode will face Royally Rumbled either at the end of the month or the beginning of March um, for the first title defence of the Omega Luke Fantasy Booking Championship. Ironbar Audio is another guy who has been very eager to get involved. Um, he sent me some fantasy bookings himself of what he's done in the past and it's really good to be fair. So I'm really happy to bring him on board. He will be going up against Dominic Elder Baker because he called Dominic Elder Baker out during the Fantasy Booking League. We did hear a promo from Armbar Audio shouting out um, that he wanted to face Dominic Elder Baker. So that match I'm also bringing to you. Off the top of my head now, there is one more match. And that, that indeed, yes. So. During the Fantasy Booking League, uh, a few of the, the last matches never happened, mainly because the guys who couldn't get to the final, um, obviously, f to do a Fantasy Booking until you've done it, you don't realise how long it actually takes you to write. I mean, the Andrade, the last one I did, the Andrade Cien Almas, each episode, and I did three parts, each episode took me about two hours solid just to write um, for like a half hour episode, and these guys are all experiencing that as well. So when you're listening to these bookings and they're going on for this long, you, th you may think, wow, that was a 30-minute um, episode. It probably takes four times, maybe five times as much time to actually write those bookings themselves. And that's if you know your idea and know where you're going with it. Um, I haven't got to a point where I've been so stuck that I haven't, like, don't know what I'm writing yet. So the guys who couldn't quite make the final um, obviously didn't do it. However, one of the guys... Vern, Vern Simmons, uh, who obviously defeated Math in his latest uh, match in the Fantasy Booking League from B-Block, did uh, record his episode, and his opponent never did. So, instead of Vern just completely wasting his time, I found an opponent who will be announced very soon. In fact, no, I'm going to announce it now. Foul Original. Um... Massive fan of Foul. He is going to be making his fantasy booking debut. I've been on his podcast, well, his podcast, his YouTube channel, uh, before we have a YouTube video in the works. He is going to be recording his side of World War in WWE. So that is USA versus Europe on WWE TV. Um, he's going to be recording that for me very soon. And that will go up against Vern, who I still have yet to even listen to it because I, I knew I wanted to do live reactions. So that is going to be really fun. And those are the only matches that we have lined up. Of course, if you wish to be involved in the fantasy booking matches, all you simply have to do is drop me a DM at Omega underscore Luke on Twitter. YouTube, Facebook, just comment wherever um, I see most things um, if you wish to be involved in the fantasy booking uh, sort of scenario. But enough of me. Now let's let's actually get into the first booking. And the first booking I'm going to bring you is Nev, uh, the rock cry guy. Um, he's been working on this for a long time because this was originally his match. Um, in the Fantasy Booking League, which he never had to, to do, which was going to go up against Booker T. And because Booker T never stood a chance of winning and going through, he never produced it. However, Nev, being the guy he is, decided to go for it. And I thought I would reward him by making him making this match so he could actually use his idea still against 
JPQ, a new guy on the fantasy booking world, but not the 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 Omega Luke lineup. Obviously, we've had JPQ a couple of times now in that great episode with Mr. Warren Hayes last week, as well as the New Year episode, which was my highest downloaded episode yet. So enough of me. Let's get on to the first fantasy booking, and that is indeed, like I said, Nev fantasy booking the reverse invasion angle. Hi, I'm Bruce Pritchard. This is Conrad Thompson. And you're listening to the Omega Luke Podcast. So my fantasy booking of the WWF WCW Invasion Angle reversed. So it's 2001. It's Roy's War. And the Attitude Era is in full flourish. The Monday Night Wars are, you know, going back and forth. And at this point, it's it's hard to de- establish who's winning the ratings war. WWF have huge superstars, to name a few. The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Undertaker, Kane, Triple H. You know, it's endless. And over on TBS, Ted Turner's WCW, which is being ran by Eric Bischoff. We have such stars as Hulk Hogan with, the, with his NWO brothers, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Ric Flair, Sting, Goldberg. Now, for me... The actual invasion angle that took place was just one big disappointment. We, just, we should have seen dream matches happen on a weekly basis, but unfortunately, due to guaranteed contracts, we missed out on WCW's biggest stars. So here we go with my fantasy booking. It's March 26, 2001. Both Roy, Roy's War and Nitro are controlling the TV viewership. It's head-to-head, back and forth. And Eric Bischoff and Ted Turner open Nitro in the middle of the ring. Eric Bischoff, with a smug look on his face, begins to talk and just says, Vince McMahon. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Some call him the ultimate name in sports entertainment of wrestling. A billionaire mogul who has dominated this industry for generations. From his father and other family members. Now even his own offspring are taking control in the World Wrestling Federation. But we here at WCW have tried our utmost to give you, the fans, another option. Another channel to put on to offer high-quality wrestling and entertainment. Intriguing storylines and superstars to fall in love with. Before us, nobody dared stick it to Vince. And nobody tried to compete with him. We offered our superstars a change in direction. Security for their families, financially, and to spend more time with them while still offering edge-of-your-seat product. Well, ladies and gentlemen... That hard work and effort has not gone unnoticed. I proudly stand before you to announce that we today have finalised and attained the World Wrestling Federation as current talent and staff, including Mr. Vince McMahon. And next Monday, in time with Nitro, the last ever Roy's War will air and all superstars will join us on Monday Nitro and the pay-per-views will be bigger and better than ever. Eric turns to Ted Turner, smiling ear to ear. They shake hands and embrace in a huge hug. Now, Note Talk continues with lots of questions and vaccine interviews. Reporters are trying to talk to Sting about his feelings, uh, but he's saying he's not concerned about the enemy coming over. He goes on to explain that we've dominated and now we've won, and it's them who have to come over here and try to earn their spots here with us, the big dogs. NWO next have a backstage segment where they threaten and warn the WWF superstars that they're on the bottom. Hogan says, I don't care if you're The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or hell, Strike Too Hotty. You're at the bottom of the pecking order, brother, 
and you better like it or deal with the hands of the NWO. Hogan spits at the lens. Now Goldberg, Goldberg shoves the reporter and heads outside in preparation for his main event. Nitro closes and there's a huge buzz in the air. Now, with this booking, um, there's a lot to cover. And I want to make sure that we stick to where the superstars are at. So I'm not going into great detail on that Nitro. And I'm going to go straight to the last ever Roy's War on April 2nd, 2001. The fireworks start at the beginning. The pyro goes out as normal. The crowd is still buzzing to be there. And there's a sea of crowd signs in support of the WWF and Vince McMahon. It's a very somber atmosphere. Naturally, fans are excited to be there, but they're also gutted to see what's actually happening in front of them. But they're trying to keep optimistic and celebrate the WWF legacy. Now, Vince McMahon's music plays. Natural Vince McMahon heads out, heads out to the ring, head held high, grin on his face and his full swagger in his walk. And the crowd begin to chant, Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Vince. This goes on for some time until McMahon has to cut the people and say no. Thank you. For years, we've dominated this world of sports entertainment that I love so very much. It's installed in me. It's as much a part of me as my own beating heart. And nothing comes before this. Now, I'm man enough to admit defeat. And somewhere along the line, I lost my way. I took my foot off the gas for a small time and my competition come in and took me, took me out without hesitation. But the truth comes down to it. Would I have done the same? You're goddamn right I would have. So I'm simply out here to say thank you. Your support, your passion, behind me and our talent and our staff, where we are today, the heights we've reached. So enjoy tonight's final programming of Roy's War. We have some incredible matchups for you. Just know that I'm truly sorry that this is happening and this will not be the last time you see Vince McMahon. Now, the camera pans out to the audience. There's actually tears in people's eyes. McMahon remains composed and professional as ever, full of dignity and steps between the ropes. Shakes hands with the commentary team, ringing out to his timekeepers, JR, Jerry Lawler. They all embrace him with a hug. Jerry Lawler's struggling to keep his emotions in and Raw cuts to an ad break. Upon returning, now the card is superb. Uh, we get classic matchups we've seen before but we're being treated to the best of the best. The obvious superstars I've mentioned, but they saved The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin for the last. The two biggest stars of the Attitude Era, the main event. The, the two stars put on an incredible match filled with emotions, and The Rock finishes with a huge people's elbow. One, two, three, match is over. Rock rolls over and hugs Austin. He helps him to his feet, and they start sharing beers. With, start sharing beers. Mr. McMahon comes out. Vince comes and raises the two superstars' hands, and they all share a beer. Shortly followed by the locker room, it comes down to the ramp and surround the ring. Applause is filled in the air. There are tears and smiles. Emotions are everywhere. Raw as war is about to end, when all of a sudden... Hey, yo. The NWO are on our Titan screen. Titantron screen, sorry. The camera pans out. And the whole WCW locker room are there. Eric Bischoff says, hey, don't you guys look so wonderful embracing one another? That stops right now. They move away from the camera and WCW talent start pouring down the ramp. Through the crowds and start attacking the WWF superstars. The WWF obviously put up a real good fight, but the gang mentality of WCW is way too much. They're nailing superstars with chairs. 
Sting's nailing Austin with a stinger splash. Hall has the rock up for a razor's edge. Triple H is thrown out of the ring. Uh, it's just absolute chaos. Now, for a fan and nostalgic reasons, this is unbelievable. Next, we see in the ring, Big Show is being cornered by majority of the WCW locker room, le- leading by Hogan. Big Show's backed into a corner and starts sadistically grinning and shakes Hogan's hand and drops a massive headbutt on Kane and then eventually to take her and throwing them both out of the ring. Big Show is turned on his peers and they grab Vince McMahon and all nail him with their finishers, starting with a hellacious Goldberg spear and ending with a Hogan leg drop. Bischoff turns him on his front and the NWO spray paint WCW onto Vince's teared-up suit jacket. WCW stands tall and dominant. So we go to April 9th, 2001. Monday Night Nitro. Eric Bischoff has come out and announced his first pay-per-view will take place in three weeks in Orlando, Florida, called WCW Spring Stampede. Eric Bischoff has said Vince McMahon is long gone. However, to get paid and continue to commit to their legally agreed contracts, who you would class as WWF talent is here in the building, and we should see some exciting things on Nitro. Commentators Tony Schiavone and Mike Tanay explain the buzz in the air at the moment. WCW have won the ratings war, and now we're getting to have fresh talent add to this already incredible locker room. Now, throughout the night, we see different matchups. Later, NWO music hits. It's Hollywood Hulk Hogan, slowly parading down to the ring. The building is drowning him in booze. Trash is being thrown about. Hogan gets a mic and stands in the middle of the ring. I'm sick of all this excitement surrounding the WWF superstars coming over here to WCW. It's great and all that, but we've proven why we're number one. But why don't these wrestlers just, some of these wrestlers just don't quit. None of them can even lace up my boots. I created the WWF buzz in the 80s, slamming Andre the Giant, battling with Macho Man and Warrior. I am the household name. I come to WCW and now look what's happened. We're the dominant brand. I may just have to quit myself, you know. You name them, I've beaten them. And there's nobody back there or sat at home who's at my level, brother. Then, the rock music hits. If you smell! And 20,000 asses are off their seats. The roof is completely blown off. Now, for all you fantasy booking fans, I know what you're thinking. Nev, the rock versus Hogan, that's already happened in real life. Well, to be honest, it's my booking. And they're the biggest names in the industry. So I'm keeping them as my rivalry for this reverse angle. Just because nobody bigger comes to mind in facing Hulk Hogan than the great one. So anyway, The Rock comes out on WCW television. The Rock is on Nitro. This is beyond surreal. He's showered with love and steps into the ring to fa- face-to-face with Hulk Hogan as they stare down. Hulk Hogan, who in the blue hell do you think you are? Clearly, your vitamins and prayers have gone straight to that bald head of yours because the last time I checked, the biggest name in wrestling today was the jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising. WWF is gone. I've got nowhere to go. That's why the great one is here on Nitro. The people's champ, The Rock. The, ch- the, the chants echo the arena. Rocky, Rocky. You see Hulk Hogan, despite what's happened, WWF, WCW, The Rock is here for the people. Unlike you, you were the biggest name. You had the country and the world supporting you. And you threw it all away for some extra dollars and special alone time with Eric Bischoff. 
quite frankly, The Rock has stood here in front of the apparent immortal one, the icon. But all The Rock sees is a broken down has-been trying to keep up with the talents of the WWF. This takeover to be the end of Hollywood Hogan. And quite frankly, you're scared. You face the more, you say. Andre the Sting, Sting to Warrior, the list goes on and on. But you face nobody. And The Rock means nobody quite like The Rock. In three weeks' time at Spring Stampede, why don't you face the great one? One on one. The first time ever. Hogan stares and listens to the roar of the crowd, but punches The Rock square in the mouth, climbs out of the ring. The Rock composes himself and grins and looks up at Hogan, backing away at the rope, up the ramp slowly. He raises his hand and shows the signal for Just Bring It. Hogan comes back and runs straight into a spinebuster. Rock hits a huge people's elbow and his music plays and The Rock leaves. Hogan has not answered The Rock's challenge at this point. So we're at an exciting point here. Superstars are making appearances backstage, locker rooms, in matches, run-ins. But I'm mainly focusing on top few superstars and their feuds and getting ready for spring, uh, spring stampede. So, NWO member Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. They've just finished a tag team match where they've been dominant over Edge and Christian. Kevin Nash says, cut the music. We started this whole, whole war. And as soon as we left WWF, they were screwed. Nobody could fill our shoes. But there is one man. One guy that, that can. And I want him to join us. I'm giving him an open invitation right here, right now. And I want him to come out here, right here, right now. Our brother, Triple H. Triple H's music hits. It's time to play the game. They embrace one another with a huge hug. A couple of two sweet signals. Now the two members hold Triple H's hand up and allow the crowd to cheer. Triple H kindly pushes them to a side and grabs a mic and says, you know, it's great to see you guys. Considering the circumstance, and now we're in WCW, you know, I, I did leave here for a reason. But anyway, you know, it's great to see you. But I've got to say, I'm not joining NWO. Hall laughs and says, come on, man, don't be like that. You should have come with us when we first left. We left Vince and WWF. It was a sinking ship and we could see it. Come on, you know it makes sense. Hogan's cool with it. There's no pressure, but you're one of us, dude. It's all good. With a click. Triple H stands nose to nose with Hall and says, no, Scott, I'm not joining the NWO. I'm not joining because I've got a family to feed. That's why I'm here. But I am and always will be WWF. Kevin Nash laughs in his microphone. Oh my God, I know what it is. You're still kissing your father-in-law's ass. Ever since you married that little bitch Stephanie, you've gone soft. Triple H's face boils and he nails Kevin Nash straight in the face, leading to Hall jumping in from behind. The two NWO superstars destroy Triple H and take him backstage, continuing the, the punishment, continuing the beatings. And it leads to Nash powerbombing him through a limo's bonnet. Nitro closes. So we move to April 16th, 2001 on Nitro. So last week's Nitro was pretty intense. It's been made official for Spring Stampede now that Triple H and a partner of his choosing will be facing the NWO. So continuing with the evening, Big Show makes his way to the ring, followed by Eric Bischoff. Bischoff's grinning ear to ear. And says about Big Show's character. You know, he's not just a superior athlete, 
but he's so intelligent and knows what's best for him, his family, and ultimately what's best for business. And he replays the clip from Roy's War a few weeks ago. As the clip comes to a close, a huge explosion happens and fire fills the, fills the room as Kane comes out. Bischoff flees the ring and runs through the crowd. Kane comes in, nails Bigshaw with a big right hand, but Bigshaw comes back with a big headbutt. Kane, quite groggy, gets grabbed by the throat in preparation for a ginormous chokeslam. Kane low blows Bigshaw and lifts the giant over his head, over his head for a huge body slam. Next up on our card for Nitro is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Lex Luger. Now, this is the first time we see Stone Cold on Nitro. It's a, it's a surreal setting. So ultimately in this match, Austin goes over big time, hitting multiple stunners. And as he would at any, in, in any WWF ring, he starts calling over to the timekeeper, chucking him some beers. Timekeeper shaking his head, no. No, Steve, I've been told no more beer. It's not happening. Austin gets out of the ring, grabs him, nails him in the face, but grabs a microphone. WCW, eh? What a joke. They tried to ban me drinking beer, huh? Maybe they want, to grow some, me, want me to grow some stupid long blonde hair and go back to being stunning Steve Austin. God damn, I hate this place. Stupid gimmicks, stupid matches. It's all going to shit. I've been here one day and I'm sick of it. Now we know my feelings for that horrible bastard Vince McMahon, but he is nowhere near a stupid son bitch like that Ted Turner. He may have loads of money, but ain't no asshole controlling Stone Cold. Or his little puppet Eric Bischoff. He can kiss my ass too. I'll do what I want when I want. At least Vince knew how to book a goddamn show and give me a beer when I felt like it. It goes dark, and it goes to the Titantron. An officer is pictured and knocks on the locker room door. It's Goldberg's locker room. His music plays and Goldberg comes out, breathing in the smoke. It's the WCW champion, it's Goldberg! Goldberg lets out an almighty yell and goes down to the ring. Goldberg, staring at Stone Cold Steve Austin, says, Listen to me. I agree with a lot of things, but I disagree with a lot of things too. And you're in my house now, son. I'm not going to let you come in here and act the way you want. I'm the WCW champion, the king of the mountain around here. I'm Bill Goldberg, and you? You're next. Goldberg charges through Stone Cold Steve Austin like a bullet. Stone Cold is crippled on the floor in pain, holding his stomach in agony. So for tonight's main event on Nitro, we're getting to see The Rock face Macho Man Randy Savage. A dream match to some. So The Rock and Randy lock up, and they're going back and forth. It leads to Rock hitting Macho Man with a big Samoan drop. Who would have ever thought we get to see these two greats face off? It gets cut off by the NWO's music. Mike Tanay says, What the hell are they doing here? They're going to spoil this match. They make their way down to the ring and ambush the rock. The, be- the ring bell is going crazy. Macho Man begins joining in and dropping big kicks to the rock's head. Triple H sprints down to the ring and starts throwing big punches at Hogan. But, there's num- but the numbers game is way too much. They lay into Triple H and Nash throws a chair into the ring in which Hogan holds Triple H's hall nails him right between the eyes. Then we hear the famous gong. Lights drop and open with The Undertaker stood in the middle of the ring. Commentary is going crazy. Taker starts with big punches and a chokeslam to Scott Hall. A big boot to Macho Man and he grabs hold of Kevin Nash as Hogan cowardly climbs out of the ring to escape. 
There's bodies everywhere. Taker lifts the big man, Kevin Nash, up for a pile driver. And as he perfectly drops him on his head, the lights go out again. The lights raise, and oh my God, the Undertaker turns around, and there is Sting. They face off, and the crowd are electric. Sting steps back and points his baseball bat at Taker as Nitro comes to a close. So we're now up to April 23rd, 2001. We're one week away from WCW Spring Stampede, and we start with Eric Bischoff and Ted Turner in the ring. Wow, what a crazy couple of weeks we've been having. Talk about entertainment, right? Well, we've got a lot for you, to, lot of news to give you tonight, folks. Firstly, some announcements. For our pay-per-view this coming Sunday, we are going to get to see the dead man, The Undertaker, take on the icon Sting. Two unworldly entities face off for the first time, and maybe even the last time ever. Those two are here for a contract signing tonight. Also, we're just announcing a 30-man over-the-top battle royale for Spring Stampede. WWF had WrestleMania, where we've got Spring Stampede, the biggest event of the wrestling calendar. This match will see talents of both brands fight it out to become number one contender for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Also, Kane's going to be facing the big show. And another thing is that Triple H must also find a partner before the end of tonight's show, or else he will face Scott Hall and Kevin Nash in a two-on-one handicap match on Sunday at Spring Stampede. If that wasn't enough, Goldberg will be facing Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WCW Championship. And I believe, Mr. Turner, you would also like to speak on that. Eric hands the microphone over to Ted Turner. Quite frankly, Eric, I don't like Austin's attitude. He curses, he drinks beer, the man's a goddamn redneck, and I don't want him on my roster. I'm officially announcing that if Stone Cold Steve Austin does not beat Bill Goldberg this Sunday, then he will be fired. Goldberg is my champion, and I I know I can ensure he will not let Austin be victorious. I'm personally going to be at ringside in Goldberg's corner to ensure that that happens. Austin Music plays. The arena is slowly becoming very pro ex-WWF stars. Austin 316, Brahma Bull t-shirts are filling the arenas, replacing the likes of NWO and Sting masks. Austin nails both men with a stunner and begins talking trash in Ted's face. So we go to the commentators, who announced tonight's matches will be The Rock and Triple H versus NWO in a three-on-two handicap match. Also for tonight's matches are Kurt Angle versus Ric Flair in a submission match, Chris Jericho versus Macho Man Randy Savage, and Goldberg will be facing Kane, whilst his brother The Undertaker faces The Big Show. Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit will be facing The Hardy Boys. Before Angle versus Flair, Kurt Angle comes out and has already begun to suck up to his new boss, Eric Bischoff. Angle says, With this newly announced battle royale, He's got his eyes on the prize and coming for that title. He says that he respects Mr. Bischoff and can't wait to be his champion. Angle says he's athletically superior and nobody comes close to the Olympic gold champion. And he lets an almighty woo, which gets off, which gets cut off by woo. Ric Flair makes his way down in his extravagant robe. And of course, the two men put on an absolute classic. It's a wrestling fan's dream to watch these two lock up. Ankle locks, figure four locks, 
which lead to Angle eventually tapping out and Flair announcing himself in this Sunday's Battle Royal. So, as the night progresses, uh, we get a backstage segment and The Rock pulls up in his car. It's his own personal car. He's got his own personal license plate on it. And he, go, and he gets out of the car, grabs his bag out of the trunk and begins to proceed into the arena. Hogan, Hall and Nash are all stood in front of him waiting. So once again, they assault the Great One and they tear up the parking lot using the rock as a human baseball bat, destroying everything in their path. They chuck him through a window into an office and as the rock lay on, the, lay on his back with his face covered in blood, they head over to his car and begin smashing the windows in. Hall chucks Nash an axe and he starts ripping through the bonnet. Eventually, they spray paint it in huge white letters, NWO. Hogan drops the can on the floor and walks away. So we're back now to the ring. Undertaker comes out. There's no sign of Sting for their contract signing. And Undertaker begins to talk. And he says, you know, I've dug a lot of graves in my time, but nothing means more than helping Sting to rest in peace. He will take great pleasure in, take, in digging a hole for Sting to spend eternity in. Taker says Sting is picking, up the, picking off the scraps of the bones of the carcasses of superstars that he has destroyed way before him, before Sting was even relevant. He goes on to say, you know, while Sting was running around dressed as, surf, as a surface Sting, he was destroying top competition. Sting comes on screen in a graveyard next to a tombstone which reads Undertaker's name on it. I've got to hand it to you, dead man. You've done a lot of great things. But if there's one man to kill the Undertaker, I'm that man. I'm more than a man. I'm an icon. Sting music plays as Undertaker looks furious in the ring. So with tonight's events, you know, I haven't gone into detail of uh, of the matches that's going on. I'm trying to focus on who I would consider as our top talent here. So with the Rock's backstage segment, it now puts our main event in jeopardy. And NWO come out to the ring ready for their match. Triple H comes out and he's by himself. He has nobody to replace the Rock. NWO are laughing, high-fiving. And Eric Bischoff comes out and says, Hunter, unfortunately, the people need a main event. So you will be facing NWO by yourself. And it looks as though Sunday's going to be the same too. Triple H starts to walk down the ring and is handed a microphone. He says, listen, boys, I've got a partner for tonight. and my partner for Sunday. He's my partner through everything. He's my best friend. And you know him really well. You may say we have a certain type of click. Then we hear Shawn Michaels music play. The place goes berserk. The returning Shawn Michaels is back in action after being off for so long with injury. He missed so much of the Attitude Era, and now he's finally back next to Triple H. Michaels runs into the ring and lays into Hogan. Triple H goes to work on Nash and Hall. And fast forward, this is no wrestling match. It becomes chaos and an all-out war. It's a slugfest. The three are going to town on, on Michaels, whilst Triple H is out of the ring. Glass shatters. And it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He runs down and does his best efforts, putting an, up an unbelievable fight against the NWO. Tony Schiavone announces, Mike, look, it's Goldberg. Goldberg runs down. Boom, another devastating spear. 
Goldberg stares down NWO, who in the past have been fierce rivals of his, but they start insinuating that he lifts Austin up for a jackhammer. It's clearly a two-sided affair here, WCW and WWF. Goldberg complies, and Austin is hoisted in the air, devastating jackhammer. These new talents to WCW look to be struggling in their new surroundings, having everything put against them. And with a pack-like mentality of beatings, Bischoff and Turner walk out hand-in-hand, arms raised, and begin applauding the superstars in the ring. It's clear that they're not treating WWF talent on the same level as WCW. Essentially, they believe they've won the war, and they are going to continue to be dominant until there is no more existence of WWF. Nitro ends. So, April 29th, we're now at WCW Spring Stampede. There's huge staging. They've clearly paid out a lot of money for it. There's a lot big setup. It's looking awesome. We're in a packed-out Superdome in New Orleans. It's been announced that WCW have expanded their commentary team now. Joining Mike Tanay and Tony Schiavone will be none other than Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross. So we start with the -the over-the-top Battle Royale. This is huge. Superstars of WCW and the old WWF want an opportunity of greatness to face the WCW heavyweight champion. Some names to mention in this match are Chris Jericho, Diamond Dallas Page, Lex Luger, Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle, Flair, Macho Man, Booker T, Big Boss Man, Mr. Perfect, Psycho Sid, the list goes on and on. So it's a typical Royale match. Bodies are flying over the ropes. Uh, we see some of the comical moments, people clinging on to the, to the bottom rope and stuff like that. But it comes down to the final four. And my final four men are Ric Flair, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle hits Randy Savage with a huge angle slam and throws him over the top rope. Jericho is on the floor groggy because he's just had a grueling clash with Booker T before eliminating him. Flair and Angle are so technical. They're displaying incredible wrestling before us. The two are resting along against the ropes, trying their best efforts, although exhausted, to push one another out. Jericho comes up from nowhere, double clotheslines the superstars, and both look to fall out of the ring. Jericho's won it, or so he thinks. Angle's definitely gone. But as Jericho turns around to celebrate and climbs up the top rope, Flair's feet didn't actually hit the ground, and he managed to hold on. He comes in and knocks Jericho out of the ring to be the winner and the number one contender. Our next match, Triple H and the newly announced Shawn Michaels versus Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Two huge teams, head-to-head. Essentially, NWO versus D-Generation X. For nostalgia reasons, reasons, this is big. People are going crazy. I've got this match going to and throw. A huge twist with a massive interference. I've got Bret Hart coming through the crowd from nowhere and nailing Shawn Michaels with a kendo stick. Jim Ross is borderline heart, having a heart attack as he's screaming so much with anger. And this then begins prompting arguments between the WCW commentary team and Jim Ross and JR. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, my apologies. So from that, DX members, Billy Gunn and Road Dog, they run down the ramp and chase Bret Hart back through the crowd. As it continues, Triple H has hit Kevin Nash through a table with a pedigree, but is so messed up from the match and busted open, so he's struggling to get to his feet also. 
Michaels is still down from Brett's attack. Scott Hall picks up a lifeless Shawn Michaels and nails him with a razor's edge and picks up the win. Next, we have Kane versus Big Show. Going through this quite quickly, essentially this is a huge slugfest and it ends with Big Show hitting Kane with a big, a huge choke slam. Going over with the win. Bischoff congratulates him personally, comes down to the ring and says there's big things and big plans for him here in the WCW with it by proving his loyalty to him. So next, the first of our, what I would class as our three main events, Undertaker versus Sting. Now this is announced earlier in the night for a no disqualification match. Both big, both have big eerie entrances. Sting flies down from the rafters and awaits his opponent, taking his time walking down to the ring slowly. There's fire, you know, there's a chill in the air. The two have such an aura around them. I'd have the crowd go so quiet with the intensity as they stare down. Both have such big personas and the bell rings and they go at it. Classic Undertaker and classic Sting. Hitting the moves that every fan would love to see. Jerry Lawler describes this match as a match for the ages, whereas Tony Schiavone says, I hope these two fight forever. They are perfectly compatible and given us a five-star matchup. Near the end of the match... We have multiple kickouts and big finishes. Both men lie lifeless on the canvas, and the camera pans down to the ring curtain. A black glove appears as the hand raises from within it. From underneath the ring, out steps Kane. Now, we've seen Kane already tonight with his loss to the Big Show. Kane climbs into the ring and lands a huge power driver to Sting and rolls him out of the ring. He helps Undertaker to his feet, who is dazed and confused. But Taker seems quite frustrated with this, as he doesn't need his help. Kane lashes out with a chokeslam, followed by a power driver to his brother, the Undertaker. The whole place is left with confusion. He rolls him out of the ring, and Kane orders the referee, Earl Hebner, to count. As Kane walks off, the ten count is done, and Howard Finkel announces both men finish the match as a draw leaving the WCW crowd furious and throwing things into the ring. Next up, we have The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Now I'm starting this with backstage promos, going quite old school. Mean Gene Okerlund is stood with a very pumped up Rock pacing up and down. Rock starts with a, let me tell you something, Mean Gene, imitating an 80s-style Hulk Hogan. Rock says this is a match for the people, and God is his witness. He has to defeat Hulk Hogan. There is no explanation needed. This is the Rock's biggest match of all time. Hulk Hogan's problem is very different. He's furious Mean Gene even entertained the idea of the Rock impersonating, impersonating him, and he shoves him out of view. Now let me tell you something, brothers. These fans are all pieces of crap, and have done nothing but take, take, take from me over the years. And now this little boy, the Rock, he wants to re represent them. After I'm done through laying the smackdown on his candy ass, I'm walking through every last superstar back there. My legacy will always be that I'm the biggest star in professional wrestling, and if you disagree, then you can stick it. Both men enter the ring, and this is, for me, the most exciting part of the night. The ultimate giants of professional wrestling brought together. Now, I'll be honest, I'm keeping this match pretty much exact to how real-life WrestleMania 18 panned out. The highs and the lows, the taunts, but however, the crowd are very pro-rock. 
I'm keeping Hogan heel here for as long as possible for future dream matches. Rock is the locker room leader and a standpoint for the WWF still. He and very few other superstars embody that WWF factor and keep the hope alive that it's not just all about WCW. The Rock kicks out of a massive big boot and Hogan is astonished. Hogan goes for the leg drop, another kick out. Hulk Hogan can't believe it. This doesn't usually happen. So the match keeps going back and forth. We we see the Rock nail a massive spine buster. Then the Rock hits him with a huge people's elbow. Hogan finally gets to his feet. The Rock is taunting him, edging him towards him, and hits a thunderous rock bottom. One, two, three. The match is done. The Rock awaits Hogan to get up and offers a handshake as a respect to a true legend. But Hogan flips the Rock the bird and jumps out of the ring. So now, to our main event. Goldberg, the WCW champion versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Final match of the card. Now, for me, the title needs to always be the main event, regardless of the card you may have. Now, we know Goldberg doesn't have the greatest track record of the longest matches in history. However, Stone Cold Steve Austin isn't like anyone he's ever faced. Ted Turner is standing ringside, holding Goldberg's title as promised. He doesn't want Stone Cold winning this tonight. Austin's winding Ted up throughout the match, swearing at him, making fun, but he he doesn't take into consideration the the opponent he's facing and Goldberg hits him with a massive huge spear Austin kicks out to the utter disbelief of everyone nobody's ever done that before Goldberg's spear is considered one of the most powerful in wrestling history and Stone Cold Steve Austin is kicked out and rolled to his side Turner decides to get into the ring and punches the referee Goldberg standing there looking confused, but the Titantron plays, and Eric Bischoff is shown to be locked in his office, banging on the door trying to get out. At this point, Turner has nailed Austin with the belt and pulls Goldberg on top of him, because whilst this Titantron's been playing, and Bischoff is being shown to be locked locked in his office backstage. Goldberg and Stone Cold have been exchanging blows and knocked each other to the knocked each other to the floor. Austin gets back up quite groggy. Ted Turner nails him with the belt and then is trying to pull Goldberg on top of him to try to get the win. Ted's now trying to shake and wake the referee that he's already hit when Vince McMahon's music hits. Vince runs down to the ring. Now, we've had the biggest talent in the world out here tonight. And nobody gets a pop like Vince McMahon does. Nobody can believe that he's here. Comes down and knocks Ted Turner's lights out. The referee is slowly getting back up. Austin manages to hit Goldberg with a stunner. One, two, three. Stone Cold is the new WCW, WCW heavyweight champion. And he's not getting fired. A devastated and pissed off Ted Turner looks into the ring and witnesses Vince McMahon raise Stone Cold Steve Austin's hand with the title. And that's the end of Spring Stampede. So just going over it, the next night on Nitro, I'd probably have Vince McMahon announce that he has a legal documentation 
to say that WCW is a publicly traded company and he has purchased X amount of shares with what money he's got left to have some sort of input into the company. Legally, they can't fire him because it's written in his contract. Essentially, now it's Battle of the Bookers on Nitro. Vince always has a trick up his sleeve and has weaseled his way back into the world of professional wrestling. And he may not be the owner, but he still has some sort of pull around the show. Eric Bischoff is raging at his talent because majority of WWF looks strong. They've got a new WCW champion. Uh, the Rock's gone over. Things like that. I think now Kane and Taker would start a feud. We can't really understand at the moment if Kane has sided with WCW or if it's just animosity towards his brother. But eventually I would lead it to Taker versus Sting part two. Uh, the Rock and Hogan feud still for a while, but until they find different paths... I'd love to see a returning Ultimate Warrior come back uh, at some point and begin a feud with The Rock. Is that something I'd love to see? Hogan goes more towards the direction of a bigger teamed NWO versus DX angle, more members. And more dream matches essentially would happen. So starting with the Battle Royale, winner Ric Flair will now be facing the WCW champion Stone Cold Steve Austin at their next pay-per-view entitled Invasion. So the rest of the card would now be Team McMahon versus Team Turner with Eric Bischoff. And it leaves a whole world ready for some unbelievable matchups. And that is my fantasy booking for the reverse invasion angle. This is Flip Gordon, and you need to subscribe to Omega Luke Podcast. The Monday Night Wars are over. WCW has won. More importantly... Eric Bischoff has won. Time Warner has bought out Titan. The contracts of the superstars. All intellectual property, including videos. The WWF ceases to exist. Vince McMahon, Linda, Stephanie, Shane... They're done. The sale goes down in March. We pick up in Nitro in April. Nitro opens up to a smiling Eric Bischoff. In the ring... He has the entire WCW roster, the entire NWO roster, applauding his accomplishment. The crowd is cheering, Eric, Eric, Eric. He's done it. He's won. It's taken him six years, but he's won. He soaks it in. Takes a moment for himself. Gathers his composure. He grabs the mic. Well, it's done. Vince McMahon is dead. It took guts. It took bravado. It took huge testicular fortitude. But I have done it. I have done dethroned the empire. The emperor is no more. 
And as for these superstars in the Federation, do me a favor and enjoy your pink slips. None of you will be working in the WCW. Is Tara Rising working in WCW? No, he's not. Is Chris Jericho, that traitor, going to be working in the WCW? How about Jarek No? Maybe Six Pack. Maybe he'll come back. Please. Enjoy your second FedEx letter. I know, Ron Simmons. More like Wrong Simmons. Stunning Steve Austin. Back in WCW. More like Enjoy sitting at home, Steve Austin. There is no place for you here. You see, once again, there will be no Federation scum signed to the greatest promotion in the world ever. Eric looks out at the wrestlers. He starts pointing at each and every one of them. Top card, middle card, bottom card. You deserve your spot. You all deserve your spot. And I'll be damned if you lose your spot to some loser. Losers don't work in the WCW. This is where the big boys play. And ladies and gentlemen... We proved it. Six weeks later, we hear nothing. Not a whisper. Coming from Eric. Coming from WWF talent. Coming from the McMahons. We hear nothing. We make it through Spring Stampede. We pick up the Nitro after Spring Stampede. The Young Brothers have a match against the Misfits in action. But Kaz Yahashi is nowhere to be found. His partner and him aren't able to meet the bell. Misfits in action win. Confused, Yang heads back into the locker room. Finds a note sitting on his back. Looking at it quizzically. He picks it up and reads, Who's next? Bischoff, Hogan, and Nash see this on the teleprompter. They start discussing the return of Goldberg. Kevin Nash asks, What do you know about this, Eric? Hogan joins in. Yeah, what do you know about this, brother? Eric's confused. I know nothing about this. I thought he was retired. Maybe he wants to come back. I'll reach out to him. Hogan and Ash don't buy it. They walk off camera, looking skeptically at Eric. 
We cut to the next week's Raw. And by Raw, I mean Nitro. And a statement on WCW.com states that both Chronic and the Harris Brothers will not be able to make the show due to flight issues. Nitro begins. We see DDP backstage asking Eric if Brian Adams was all right. Eric's again confused. Why wouldn't he be all right? He missed his flight. DDP kind of smirks. Yeah, well, I was talking to him last night, and we were taking the same flight. He wasn't on it. There was no flight issue. Just as DDP walks away, Eric receives a text from Brian Adams' phone saying, Holla if you hear me. Holler if you hear me, Eric thinks. That's a text, you idiot. And he walks off camera. The night goes on without a hitch. Hulk defeating Jeff Jarrett and Alex Wright, of all people, winning an elimination four-way for a cruiserweight title shot against Billy Kidman at Great American Bash. Next couple weeks, more of the undercard is missing. Unaccounted for. Two weeks later, no one's heard from the Young Dragons. No one's heard from Chronic. Harris Brothers? Nope. The lower card? Where are they? Why isn't anybody showing up to work? Ah, it doesn't matter, Eric says. I got bigger things on my plate. It's the Great American Bash, after all. First one since taking over as the number one promotion in the country. The only wrestling promotion in the country. I did that. We got to get this show on the road. Billy Kidman's music hits and he walks his way to the ring. He's got a title defense for the Cruiserweight title against Alex Wright. Alex Wright music hits. Continues to play. But no Alex Wright. Alex Wright doesn't come out. Tanae Shivani don't know what's going on. Where's Alex Wright? Don't tell me that he forgot that today of all days he has a title shot against Billy Kidman for the Cruiserweight title. It's the Great American Bash. Just when they finish talking, Eric makes his way to the ramp. Holding a mic, looking a little disheveled, looking a little confused. He informs the audience that tonight, tonight you're in for a treat. We don't need Alex Wright. He's German. It's the Great American Bash. So tonight, you're getting Billy Kidman, you're getting Rey Mysterio Jr. Crowd seems into it. He walks out. Rey Mysterio Jr.'s music hits. He walks to the ring. Match goes on. Later that night, we see Eric Betchoff sitting at his desk with his reading glasses on. There's a letter in his hand. And he's not looking at the letter. He's just kind of thinking while holding the letter. And as the letter flips back and forth between his fingers, the camera catches that it's addressed from Alex Wright. And all the letter says is, It's time. It's time. It's Vader time. 
Later on in the show, main event, we see Hogan retaining against Big Papa Pump. Eric's confused. Where's all his talent? They should be thrilled. Something's not, something's awry. What's going on? Where is everybody? So he thinks on it. And he thinks of it on it all night. And he looks through his roster of people that are still there. And he's looking at who's missing. And he starts to draw some, some conclusions. I know what it is. Tomorrow on Nitro, we reset. We put this train back on track. The night after, on Nitro, night after the Great American Bash, Eric Bischoff heads to the ring. Clearly lack of sleep. Clearly disheveled. And he calls out Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett doesn't know why he's being called out. And he walks out with his sunglasses on, sleeveless t-shirt, con fan slap nuts, playing up the gimmick, holding his guitar. He gets in the ring, looking at Eric Bischoff like, what is going on? Eric Bischoff grabs a mic. Looks at Jeff Jarrett dead in the face and says, you're ruining my roster. You're ruining my show. Why are you taking my undercard? Why are you telling them to stay home? Why am I getting cryptic messages with old WCW catchphrases? This new blood thing you've been trying to get over for the last 18 months, this new blood gimmick, this era is over. I know what you're doing. You're building an army. You're going to come from my top stars. The people that got us here. Real nice, Double J. Didn't we talk about this? Aren't we over this? Didn't I squash this once I got Vince Russo out of here? I'm tired of this new blood. I'm tired of this angle. None of your recruits, none, zero, new, old, none of them will ever be the status for the last time. You or any of these wrestlers will ever be the status of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. They never have a chance at being the next Kevin Hall. You think they can be Scott or... Uh, Kevin, you think they could be Scott Hall? No. You think they have what it takes to be the 16-time world champion, Ric Flair. The Hall of Famer, Brett, the Hitman Hart. You think they have the charisma of Sting, the body of Lex Luger. You think they're the workers that Booker T and B DDP are? No. They're not even Sid Vicious. Yeah, and I'll take it one step further. They're not even Duff Bagwell.
They're not WCW. My top talent is WCW. Jeff, you will never be top talent in WCW. Your little army of underlings, they will never be top talent at WCW. Everyone not mentioned in my list, none of them helped to take down Vince McMahon. None of them were the reason why we won the Monday Night Wars. And I think you're better. And I think you're trying to make a name for yourself. And you're doing it on my turf. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to walk backstage. Grab your bags. Get in your car. Because you, my friend, are fired. Eric hesitates. What did I just say? How did I just say it? He looks confused as they go to commercial break. After the commercial break, Eric's backstage talking to Hogan. Hogan says that the talent's not happy with the way he reacted in the ring. Eric doubles down. They didn't help us. This was us. This was NWO for life. And this was WCW's originals. This was Horseman. This was Sting. This was our homegrown talent. DDP, Booker T. You guys are the reason that we beat WWF. You guys are the reason why we won the wars. But you told everybody, Hogan says. But you told everybody that they all played a point. They all played a factor. I'm rallying the troops. That's what a good leader does. You rally the troops. But you know who the heavy hitters are. You know to read between the lines. It's wrestling after all. And kayfabe's not dead. But I'll tell you this much, Hogan. I'll be damned if I lose everything I built to some guitar-picking, slat-nut-calling southerner here in WCW. Hogan kind of shakes his head, walks away. Later that week, Jeff Jarrett does an interview with Dave Meltzer. When Dave asks Jeff a question, all Jeff does is respond by saying, Woo! We're two weeks before the bash. Two weeks before the bash at the beach. Eric's got an idea. In fact, he's grinning ear to ear. He walks to the ring. Grabs a mic. 
Ladies and gentlemen, WCW was in a tumultuous time. But no worries, because your leader thrives in pressure. No, your leader relishes pressure. I mean, look at my track record. Look what I've been able to do over the last six years with my back up against the wall. You guys are in for a treat. I, Eric Bischoff, have a fantastic idea. Two weeks' time at Bash at the Beach, what started it all? The culmination of one of the greatest turns in the history of wrestling. It's a cause for a celebration. And who better to celebrate but the fans? So we're going to take it back. We're going to take it back to the old days. We're going to do a war games. That's right. A war games with the true champions of WCW. We're going to do war games with the WCW originals versus the NWO originals. Two weeks now on pay-per-view, you're going to get Ric Flair, Booker T, Diamond Dallas Page, Bret the Hitman Hart, Sting, Luger, versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Sid Vicious, Big Papa Pump, and Buff Bagwell. His music hits, we cut to commercial. It's the night of the bash. It's the night of bash at the beach. And the undercard is very woeful. Very underwhelming for the crowd. The crowd's stirring. They know why they're here. We know why we bought the pay-per-view. It's not for these guys. Yeah. There's titles on the line, cruiserweight, tag team, hardcore. But I'm not here to see that. They're not here to see that. We're waiting for that main event. We're waiting for war games. Talent doesn't care. Undercard doesn't care. They go out there, they put their matches on. Lackluster effort. And they go backstage with their Heads hung low. But it's time. It's showtime. And here we go, baby. Here we go. War Games. WCW Originals versus NWO Originals. WCW and NWO swap turns, adding members to their respective teams. Sometimes they have the advantage, sometimes they don't. Until every single member... All 12 wrestlers have made their way into the ring and they start beating the hell out of each other. Crowd's going wild. White hot. Finishes are done. Everybody's exhausted. Everybody's sweating. Every fan is up out of their seat. This is one hell of a match. This is the reason WCW are champions. 
Eric's backstage couldn't be happier with himself. You guys got us there. These 12, they got us there. Couldn't be prouder. Ric Flair finally gets Kevin Nash stuck in the final four, or figure four. Kevin Nash is screaming out in pain. Just came off reconstructive knee surgery. About to tap, sweat beating off his brow. Is it my time to call it? Do I finally lose it for what I started with the NWO? All of a sudden, Flair looks up, and out of nowhere, he sees a big black leg drop over his chest. Hulk Hogan with the safe. Hulk Hogan thinks to himself, just like always, it's my time. Bring in the righty, I'm the closer. Time to supplant myself as the best of the best. Just like I wrote it the night I took over NWO back in uh, 96. We've come full circle, ladies and gentlemen. And he stands up and he embraces the fact that he's about to get the three count. And he goes down for the pin. And as soon as he does, the crowd starts going wild. And there's this groundswell of cheers and anticipation. And he thinks, I deserve it. This is all from me. He looks up at the count of one and sees everybody looking away. What's going on, he thinks. This is my crowning moment. And he stands. And he's looking. And he looks behind him. And he looks up at the ramp to see the big screen. And there are people. What are those people doing? Why are they wearing masks, he thinks, as they start making their way to the ring. And the crowd doesn't know what to do. And they're going nuts. And all of a sudden, these masked men, they jump the barricade. He counts. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And behind him, one, two, three, four. Who are these guys? What are they doing? Does Eric know about this? And all of a sudden, they pull out bolt cutters. They cut the lock. They begin to pile into the cage. As soon as they're in the cage, they pull out a rope, and they pull out a chain, they pull out a new lock, and they resecure themselves inside. Lock inside. Hogan's confused. This is my moment. Nobody takes the Hulkster's moment. He's staring at 12 guys in masks standing in front of him. They unmask. Before Hulk Hogan stands Triple H, The Undertaker, The Rock, The Hardy Brothers, Kurt Angle, Kane, The Big Show, Edge and Christian, Chris Jericho, and none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hogan's in disbelief. What are they doing here? At this time, the WCW originals see what's going on. They begin to regather themselves. They recollect. They all begin to stand. 
12 men staring at 12 men. More importantly, 12 hungry, angry, healthy men staring at 12 older, sweatier, tired men. After a long stare, the WWF superstars. After a long stare, the WWF superstars attacked. Jeff and Matt hitting the poetry in motion on Buff Bagwell, Undertaker, Kane, Big Show hitting triple choke slams on Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Sid Vicious. Chris Jericho puts Bret Hart in the walls of Jericho. Angle hits the angle slam and then locks in the ankle lock on Lex Luger. The Rock connects on a rock bottom. People go crazy. Then hits the people's elbow on Big Papa Pump. Edge and Christian stomp out Booker T and DDP in the corner. Hogan's watching all of this. What am I to do? I can't save all of them, he thinks. I got to save myself. And he goes to turn around. When Hogan turns around, there's two very distinct fingers staring at him in the face. Uh Uh-oh, Hogan thinks, as he gets kicked in the gut and gets hit with a stone-cold stunner. The WWF superstars are standing tall. They have laid out the 12 original WCW champions. Eric's hand-picked WCW champions. Eric's furious. He runs to the ring. He grabs a mic. What the hell do you guys think you're doing here? You're not allowed to be here. Who signed off on this? Why are you here? Stop cheering these wrestlers. They're losers. But all his wrestlers are laid out. So he calls to the back. Hey. Get out here. Fight for the brand. But no wrestlers come. Why would they? Eric realizes that he alienated his entire roster. He's by himself. On the ring. Staring up into a cage. With 12 WWF superstars. Who just demolished his 12 WCW superstars. Triple H gets his hands on a mic. What the hell are we doing here? Eric, you said it the day after you bought WWF. This is where the big boys play. Undertaker grabs the mic from Triple H. This is where the big boys rest in peace. Well, guys, that was both bookings. What do you think? So I have wrote my notes down. And let's start with Nev. I understand this has gone on for a very long time. But, guys, this is the reverse invasion angle. This isn't going to be a six-week program, which you can just cover really fast. Of course, this is going to be a lot longer. So... 
let's start with Nev. So his first, the first bit that we get from Nev was a very nice setup with his thoughts on the first invasion angle. So, you know, we've we've seen um, many people talk about the reverse invasion angle, uh, the the original invasion angle, and this was Nev's take on it. This is what he wanted to improve on. I was really impressed with the first promo from Bischoff to announce that they bought WWF. Um, he set the scene really well for the last ever Raw as well, and it was quite an emotional speech that Nev did from from Vince, as well as the emotional send off for Monday right for for Monday Night Raw and for WWF uh, as as a whole. Um, with The Rock versus Stone Cold, obviously a, a huge match in 2001 um, when this played out. We had quite an invasion inside an invasion. So we, when we had the WCW guys come out um, on the last ever Raw, it was sort of an invasion in an invasion. And I quite enjoyed that. I quite liked that because this was to set up what was going to happen in the future. Um, now, Nev told me how he'd done his research before when he was thinking of this idea. Um, but you could tell that he has done that without him even saying this because of the amount of detail, uh, even going into you know the, the, the commentator team of Tanay and Shivani and, and, and all the dates that he got correct and everything that was around that area at that time, um, he, he got correct, even like, like pay-per-view names and stuff like that. So it was a great description of how the feuds began. I especially like, obviously, The Rock and, and The Hulk was very good promos. Um, shocked that uh, Nev can do really good Rock promos. Who's seen that coming? And I love how he used the real-life relationship between uh, Hall and Nash and Triple H, obviously, um, to invite him into the NWO and the setup for um, this going forward with the click. Um, of course, as well, the setup for Stone Cold Goldberg, uh, another sort of dream match. That's something that everyone always wanted to see uh, when the Monday Night Wars was happening. Obviously, they look very similar. They've always got the same similar look and, and been compared to each other for a long time. Also, I think it was a great, um, was probably the biggest pro that I'm going to give Nev now was was probably The Undertaker's first appearance. And of course, when Sting appears as well in this same segment. I think that of all the things that Nev has done in this booking, that part he got absolutely perfect. I really enjoyed that. I don't think I could have done that bit better myself. Um, I sort of seen it coming as he was saying it, and I thought, oh, that's such a good idea. So very good from Nev. Uh, booked that, that segment perfectly. I also think it was a great tease for the return of Shawn Michaels. You, like I said in that Sting part, you knew it was sort of coming, but it was still awesome to hear and would have got a huge pop. Um, originally, I had as a con, which I think I mentioned during the live stream there, was I wish he had done something with Bret Hart. Um, I had that down as a con, Bret Hart question mark, all the way through until um, Bret Hart actually came out. And... He did not disappoint me with with doing so. So uh, he finally appeared, and that was a con. That that was originally a con for me, turned into a pro because it was a good way of of using Brett, who obviously has the history 
of um, the the Raw and the 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 WWF feud from the Montreal Screwjob, of course. Um, so that was really good, and the the final pay per view, the Spring Stampede uh, pay per view that Nev laid out, was quite an awesome pay per view. To be fair, lots of twists, lots of dream matches and turns. Uh, it would have been an epic night, you know, that battle royale. Uh, really good, really clever. He didn't go into much detail for the match himself because it didn't need to happen. You know, we've seen um, Rory rumbled in the past and, and Mason Adams go into details of matches and going from move to move. But there's so many matches in this that you can't really do that because you just sort of lose track of where you're going. And I think Nev did a really good job of sort of describing how it ended and if, you know, it, it did end with a certain move, then he mentioned that. He didn't go into full detail and exchange blows of, of move by move. He, he he made sure he kept the flow of it enough so that he gave enough detail so you understood what was happening in the matches, but not too much um, going into it so you sort of lost track of where you were. So, really good. Yeah, I've got a, a couple cons though, Nev. Um, using, which is, this is probably my biggest con for you, and I think as soon as I say it, you'll realise you've done this as a mistake. But if WCW has bought out WWF, then all the fans of WCW are still going to watch WCW. All the fans of WWF may not watch WCW. This is exactly the same as what happened in real life. WCW fans might not have necessarily gone and watched WWF. We've seen a huge dip in uh, ratings and stuff because of that. So, using the WCW guys in your booking as heels on their own show against WWF in front of WCW fans and making the WWF wrestlers babyfaces, to me, is a bit of a mistake. Uh, I don't know whether that would make sense or not because the WCW fans would not back the WWF guys. And they would be cheering for the WCW guys. So I think it would have been better to make it the other way around. Which I know is hard because I would struggle to do that. Because obviously I'm a WWF guy like yourself, Nev. Not a WCW guy. Um, that's probably your own really, really biggest uh, con. The other one I could think of was using Spring Stampede as the WrestleMania pay-per-view is a bit dubious obviously Starcade or Halloween Havoc is normally the big one uh, but obviously because of the time in the invasion uh, that it happened March April time in real life and obviously in your booking um, that's the pay-per-view that's near however you could have used uh, invasion itself um, there was nothing against using the same pay-per-view name and although it's a huge twist uh, just a small con for me, really, is that the Taker versus Sting match, I'm unsure about how it ended and whether I would have had it end in a very weird scenario um, with Kane coming out and disrupting it. But overall, really good. I really like how you did it. Obviously, you put in a lot of work, I can tell, from that. And uh, it really worked out because that, that final pay-per-view, the Spring Stampede, um, the way you described it would have been an epic night you got loads of dream matches in there which is probably the most fun bit about this um, whole uh, invasion angle 
well, the reverse invasion angle using all the guys which weren't available to WWF in the original invasion angle. So uh, very well done, and, and I hope you enjoyed yourself doing that because I enjoyed listening to it. But on to JPQ now making his debut on fantasy booking matches. Um, first, your, your pros again, JPQ, good setting, uh, scene setting at the beginning, very Bischoff-like promo. And we've seen this quite a lot from JPQ. Um, his booking was roughly the half hour mark. I normally say that it can't be over half hour, but like this is reverse invasion angle. It's, it would be just impossible to try and keep it um, as low as you can. So I, I think JPQ just stuck to it. Nev went a little over, but I'm not really regarding the guideline for uh, over half an hour as a, as a big problem because I understand the booking and, and the stipulation itself itself is very difficult um but it was a nice way of setting the tension by leaving the six weeks till uh, after spring stampede which was very weird because nev sort of had his going up to spring stampede and ending on spring stampede and jpq began so uh, that was very peculiar for me because obviously they didn't intend to do that um the constant bischoff dialogue was pretty fucking awesome. That's one of the things that um, probably the biggest uh, pro of JPQ was the the Bischoff dialogue. It kept it going all the way through. Um, it was very rare that he he went off track from what Bischoff was saying. This was very first person Bischoff led for a lot of his booking, um, which was really good. Similar to Wilfred's as well. It was sort of like he was describing an anime. Which take for it as you will. Um, although it took a while for the reveal, the eventual reveal of the WWF Invasion guys was a pretty epic one, bringing back the War Games. But let's go on to your cons now. And I'm going to leave the biggest con to last. It was a weird tease with the Vader Time notes and how long it took to bring in WWF talent with that. But the although that's pretty much it. I'll get it as a con because it was weird and I wasn't quite understanding what it was at the time. He did sort of explain after that it was old school WCW uh, like like sayings and things like that. But at the time I didn't quite get it. Um, I mean, obviously you've sort of explained it since. Uh, what happened to these guys when they don't show up? We don't really get an explanation of it. I don't believe that we did. And we don't... Does that mean we just don't have the matches? Because then what happens to the rest of the show? That's the only thing I was sort of thinking about. I understand exactly what you were doing, obviously. Um, these guys were being taken out from backstage or whatever from the Invasion guys. But what actually happens to the rest of the show when these matches aren't actually happening then? is one thing I thought of while you, while you were describing that. Um, personally, I think we waited too long. And this was my biggest con for you. We waited too long to bring in the WWF talent into the invasion angle. I think I looked at it and it was about 26 minutes into the booking. This, although it was like, really good setup it was almost too long of a setup and we almost wanted it 
to have happened about 10 minutes before that because you did a really good job of building it up 10 minutes right, for about 15 minutes um, up to that point and then it just went a bit like 10 minutes too long before we heard WWF talent actually come in um, and the the underwear making the bash at the beach card underwhelming up until the main event I don't understand why Eric Bischoff would book that obviously knowing that the main event's gonna be absolutely incredible if you were watching bash at the beach on pay-per-view um, not in the arena and it was really underwhelming and everything like that, you would just switch off and you would miss the, the main event and miss all the things that happened. So that was probably the two sort of LinkedIn um, biggest cons for me for, for, your, for your booking. But overall, very good effort for your first time. Very dramatic and very um, tense the way you described it. Uh, I really like that, bringing that intensity and, and, and it felt like anything was sort of going to happen when you're doing it, and of course that Bischoff dialogue, um, which I praise you for already, was absolutely very good. It almost gave us like a first-person look into uh, this booking. But obviously there can only be one winner, and the winner today, going on to face Mike Arendt in the number one contenders match, who will then go on to face Royally Rumbled, probably now in, in March, and... See, I think JPQ just just let it go too long before we see in the invasion. I really like what he did. Really like what he did. But Nev also had a very, very good stellar booking with the dream matches that everyone wanted. But they were introduced in a very good way, sort of, right away. And I think I would, if I was to do this, that is how I would have done it. Because it was done very well and set up very well. And as the invasion angle, we almost had a sort of 26 minutes of a build-up to an invasion angle. And then two minutes of an actual invasion angle, whereas this whole booking should have been based around the invasion angle itself. I hope you understand sort of what I mean from that, um, which is why I'm going to give, obviously, the the win to Nev, which I don't think I said. But yeah, Nev, uh, congratulations, my boy. Um, great booking again. Obviously, he was very unlucky in the league, Nev, because he came in late. And couldn't quite catch Mason Adams um, anyway because Mason Adams had already beat the person that Nev took the points from. But it was very good. I really enjoyed that. Uh, JPQ, I'm sure, will have back on at some point against someone else. Maybe not such a, a hard stipulation, a little bit more of an easier stipulation next time. Um, I'm sure he'll be grateful for that. But Nev, it is going to be you versus Mike Arendt. And I'm not sure what you're going to be booking yet. Um, probably going to go a little bit simpler. A little bit closer to to just the, the singles guy, um, maybe. I haven't really thought of anything yet. But we'll, we'll, get that, we'll get to that soon. And that's going to be sort of 
Hopefully we'll get that out near the end of February uh, so that you guys who, uh, when you go up against each other, we can see who goes against Royally Rumbled for the title in March and give you guys enough time to think of that booking as well. So thank you guys very much for listening to this very long episode. I hope you enjoyed it anyway. Um, very good from both of these guys. Thank you very much for both of these guys for putting all the effort that they have done. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed both bookings and it's a shame that only one can sort of be the winner but congratulations to nev commiserations for jpq i uh, hope you enjoyed it nonetheless and definitely will get you back on in the near future so without further ado guys that is all from me um obviously if you're checking this out on the youtube thank you very much i hope you enjoyed the live sort of reactions again Drop a like on the video. Drop a comment if you agree with uh, my decision on the winner, of course. And make sure you're subscribed as well because I've got plenty more great videos coming out. As you can see, some of the videos I've done in the past, I go a bit weird. I go a bit funny with them. Um, and I really want you all to, to be able to check these out. Patreon.com forward slash Omega Luke is where you can find extra content as well as role players with Wilfred. We... Did oh, sorry, but we did um, the last role players of US Office, which is live on there now. You can check that out, and there's plenty more to come, including some reviews as well, which would be nice as well with with Wilfred and some extra content through that. But that is it for me, guys. Thank you very much. Hope you've enjoyed this, and from your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. Make sure you are still there. I'm losing all my words here. I'm sorry. I'm going. It's very late here. It's one o'clock in the morning. I've been recording for an hour and forty minutes. I'm getting my my words mixed up. I'm getting them jumbled up. So I'm going to tune out. Go to bed. Get some sleep. Wake up in the morning. Start again. So without further ado, guys, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast is tuning out. Keep your friends close keep omega luke closer by subscribing on all podcast platforms and on youtube goodbye and good night bang